This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's Black History Month. So on today's episode, we're talking about all things Black British pop culture. With DJ Target. We've come on like leaps and bounds. The UK Garage has had a huge moment. And at the same time, there was a new generation. And Henry Kashue from Kiss FM. His speech when he went up on stage was like, bro, I made this video with 80 English pounds. That is culture right there. <laughs> You're listening to Pop Culture with me, Shante Joseph for The Guardian. Listen, when Stormzy said, what a time to be a black Brit, I felt that in my chest. As it's Black History Month, I wanted to spend this episode celebrating pop culture through a black British lens. Most people either call me Target, Targs, mm-hmm. Targo, like <laughs> very few people call me Darren now. If you want to call me Darren, I'm Target. not with that. But I yeah, love what, it. Whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. Sometimes I forget that my own name's Darren because like, <laughs> it never gets used anymore. DJ Target started his career in music as part of the grime collective Roll Deep. He came into the studio to talk about the latest series of the Rap Game UK, which he hosts on BBC Three with Crept and Conan. But we started by talking about his own music career. Had a big love of, of US rap music, R&B, dance or bashment or ragga as we mm-hmm. called it back then. My love for music just grew and then I discovered Pirate Radio, which was a big part of East London and, and jungle music that originally pulled me in and wanted, like gave me the want to be a DJ. Still in school, um, started my little vinyl collection, managed to get a slot on one of those Pirate Radio stations. Went from doing the jungle thing for a few years to yeah. in the height of UK Garage, we formed another collective um, called Pay As You Go cartel which we had a lot of success with and then yeah a lot of people will know me from being like you said part of roll deep which was i guess one of the seminal kind of foundation collectives that i guess kicked off the whole grime movement back in you know the early noughties it's been a roller coaster of a journey. And we did an episode um, all about the kind of 
evolution of Black British music mm. post Windrush. Mm. And for that episode, we interviewed DWE. And he kind of had the same story of having a radio and listening to pr predominantly a lot of jungle yeah. at, at the start. And yeah. I wonder when you think back to that time, were there kind of specific songs that you were listening to that really were like, nah, I need to get into oh, this entertainment music? Um, like anything from Shy FX back in those days. Massive fan of like early Ronnie size. To be fair, that the whole genre just had had us all in a headlock. Like we were just addicted, obsessed with it. And I think the thing that really pulled us in, we discovered that these guys were a lot of these guys that was on the radio were predominantly from East London, from neighbouring boroughs, and it was like something we could really relate to in yeah. terms of um, an inspiration because everything before that had been. Across the waters, yes. a Jamaican artist, a, a US artist, whereas we were discovering music now and producers, MCs and DJs that were from our neck of the woods. And I think that was what really um, made us think it was possible that we could do it. Yeah. And growing up, my my dad used to DJ and produce and put on loads of drum and bass nights. And I always used to say, like, other people would, you know, be woken up on a Sunday morning to clean with, like, maybe some soul, maybe some <laughs> gospel. But it would be, like, pots and pans, drum and bass, yeah. like, It'll early in the morning, up, like, shake your get up right yeah. now. So it's like, gosh, it's a music that I absolutely love. And you can really see the connections back to the kind of the Caribbean and oh, the yeah, evolution yeah. of the sound. 100%. Um, but I kind of want to get a bit into your time in Roll Deep and just that sort of early grime era. What was your experience of the music scene then? And I guess how much has it changed now? We've come on like leaps and bounds. Like then it was, like I said, we're talking around 2002, 2003, 2004. UK Garage had had a huge moment. And at the same time, there was a new generation of DJs, MCs, namely like us and our peers, the likes of D-Double and, and everybody else who were fans of Garage. But mm. we had our own take on it, our own spin on it. And Garage was a very much like upmarket, celebratory, like everybody looked really smart. It was very like champagne and cav not cav I wouldn't say caviar, but <laughs> yeah. it was it, that was the places image. to the club. Yeah, basically. And we were coming from places that were nothing like that, and we I guess wanted to reflect a bit of our own lifestyle and where we were from on the music, and that is where we kind of started to engineer and I guess steer the sound that we were making a little bit left from Garage and what ended up being known as as grime music. We ne we had no idea we was starting a brand new movement that 20 years later we'd be celebrating a Stormzy and a Dave and all of this success. We were just, everybody had something to say. A phrase that always goes with grime is self-sufficiency. I think mm -hmm. we didn't have any, there were no outlets, there were no platforms to support us. The infrastructure wasn't there, there was and you no, made it work. Yeah, and so it was pirate radio, it was local record shops and word of mouth and small events. And that's where it all started. And now we're looking at, you know, artists who have come up inspired by that, who are headlining Glastonbury and selling out the O2 Arena. Man, gee, gee, gee. Hey, Glastonbury! Let's go! My brothers know that I'm just not Let's talk about the Rap Game UK. Series 5 is back on BBC3 on Monday, 6th of November. For people who haven't seen it, tell us what it's about. So basically, the Rap Game UK is it's a competition. We have six artists 
um, six rappers from all over the country, different levels of experience. Um, but we, we don't want anybody that's like super established. This is all about, you know, these artists going on the journey and basically they, they battle it out week, uh, for six weeks in various challenges that test their rap ability, their skill to make a video, their confidence on stage, like a bunch of different um, factors we feel really help to build a successful rapper. And yeah, the winner gets 20,000 pounds towards their career. They get a spot on the One Extra playlist this year. And yeah, it's just been incredible, the reaction that the show gets and how much people love it. One thing I really love about it is how much it shines a light on talent outside of London. Mm. Like, how do you even find all of these, these individuals? Do you know what? I think going back a few years, like, the rap scene was so London centric. Yeah. Like people from outside the, of of London had such a hard time breaking through, being heard, being appreciated. If you didn't have a London accent, it was almost like a little bit like mm, that doesn't sound right. And that was the case for so long. Like I've seen over the years, artists from all across the UK like banging their head on the wall. Like, how, what do I need to do to break through? And like, luck, not luckily, like gladly, we're now living a day and age where social media and the internet and all of that has kind of got rid of a lot of the gatekeepers in terms of like infrastructure and access to your audience and mm. that's enabled all these artists from around the country to re really start building fan bases and connecting and having hits and success you could look at h to bugsy yeah. malone to mist young t and bugsy i could sit here and list these are all top 10 selling platinum in some cases rappers with accents talking about their life from where they're from so um yeah we want this to be a a UK-wide thing to represent um, what's happening in, in UK rap at the moment. And have there been any moments from the previous series that have really stuck with you? Every year is like the Clash Challenge is always a, a Mate, highlight. because When I watch that, I'm thinking, <laughs> how are you lot? You don't have to be, judge and be impartial, but like when the camera pans to you yeah. and someone says something In fact, there's, there's not even an there is no impartial <laughs> yeah. in that moment because the reactions, it's real life and yeah. like... <laughs> We have to just, obviously we're treating them all fairly, but like mm -hmm. sometimes someone, in this Clash episode, it's literally head to head um, and there are no rules in, mm -hmm. in rap battles. Um, anything can be said. It's kind of an unwritten thing that anything can yes, be said and yes. you kind of just got to have thick skin and not just have thick skin, you, you've got to be able to still deliver your piece. So you're seeing things being said and sometimes mm -hmm. massively disrespectful, like mm -hmm. on serious levels, but, in this environment, in that challenge, it's something that rappers have to kind of be able to deal with. Um, yes, they always just, shake hands afterwards yeah, as well. I find it's they like... They live together. So it's <laughs> like these lot are living together for um, the whole process. Yeah. So don't get me wrong, sometimes people aren't speaking for a day or two, <laughs> but there hasn't been a case where everybody hasn't come back together after and it's all like family and friends after and like everybody understands what, what went down, but there's yeah. been some like explosive moments. <laughs> I cannot believe I got to talk with Target today. And did you know he is so much taller in person? If you enjoyed our chat and you want to get deeper into the history of sound system culture in the UK, which we talked about, then go back and listen to our special Windrush episode if you haven't already. 
Let's take a minute. And if you're loving this discussion, then please, please, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and make sure you drop a review. And when we come back, I'm getting into unforgettable moments from Black British pop culture with Henry Kashue. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back, friends. From Little Miss Jocelyn skits to Skepta winning a mobo and even folklore like rapper Sneakbo turning into a cat in McDonald's. So many of my favorite pop culture moments and references come from the creativity and wit of black cultural icons. With so much to choose from, I brought in Henry Kashue, superstar DJ and host on Kiss Fresh to chat through our favorite moments. We're going to get into some Black British iconic pop culture moments. There is so much to think about. Even yesterday, I was with my friends and we were discussing some of our favorite moments. And we had a list that was like at least maybe 40 items long. And I was like, gosh, how do we reduce this (laughs) to something that is manageable that we can discuss on a podcast? You've had um, a go at thinking of some iconic moments too. And one thing that we both agreed on, both of our lists, was Skepta. Mm -hmm. And just so much to do with Skepta. But for you, what was the... The, the big moment. Do you know what? You're so right in that because I had to think of like Skepta moments and I was like, rah, there's actually quite a few. But I think for me, it was when he won best video for That's Not Me at the Mobos in 2014. He turned mm-hmm. up to the Mobos in a tracksuit, which I absolutely loved. Slay. Slay. Even then, the fact that the music video itself was one off of the back of it being a green screen and him in Mm. a tracksuit with just a microphone and a DJ, I was like, wow, like this is so different to anything that we've ever seen. Because usually music video of the year is something that's kind of flashy, rare tear. But I remember when his speech, when he went up on stage was like, bro, I made this video with 80 English pounds. That's not me, video cost me 80 English pounds. And I was like, yeah, this guy's too sick. Very British of him. I think for me, Skepta at the Brits 2017, Mm. when he performed Shutdown on stage, there was like a a moment in the interlude of the song where he played the audio of that like woman talking about, you know, being intimidated by men dancing to grime. And it just kind of felt like this very 
rebellious, like almost somewhat like political or social statement right. on stage. Mm-hmm. And I find that I I love the way that he is kind of authentically him. Mm-hmm. He understands his roots, but he's also risen through the ranks of music and culture and entertainment. And now even fashion with mains, he just seems unstoppable. Another iconic, I guess, moment, or not necessarily moment, but part of Black British pop culture has to be grime. Like, the sound itself, just as a sound, as a culture, as a way that we kind of communicated language, even the technology that accompanied grime, like the ringtones, the Bluetooth. When I think of grime, I think of iconic songs like 21 Seconds. And Pow. And like all of these people being introduced to us and becoming kind of celebrities to to us as a kind of community, but then going on to be huge and international stars even. So all it makes me think of is like Channel U, the lollipops in your hair, the wearing stripes, the Channel U era, definitely instrumental in Black British culture today. Because Shantae, I'll tell you something right now. The kids don't understand mm-hmm. what we used to go through. Right now, everyone's a baddie. Everyone's to be a baddie back then, babe. You, your hair had to be slicked to the side, Listen, mate. That thick round gel that you would be slicking your Legit. hair with, Jesus Christ! Legit. A baddie today is different to a baddie back in the grime era. You mentioned Channel U, and I guess for maybe listeners of the podcast who aren't aware or too too young to know, right. Channel, Channel U was a British TV music channel, and it focused particularly on the British grime scene. It started in February 2003 and it closed up shop in 2018. And it was just such a huge, huge platform for, yes, established artists, but breaking new acts. I remember when Chip and N-Dubs brought out a song together, I cried. I made a recording of the song on my little Nokia phone and then brought oh, it to it. school and was like to everybody, oh my days, have you heard this new song? It's my ringtone now, and I literally infrareded it to everybody. Like, that was around me. We actually struggled. There was no airdrop back in the day. Babe, sorry. That is culture right there. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many huge musicians that kind of got their break on there and became known to to the masses. Mm -hmm. And I say the masses in terms of, like, us who were watching the channel. To the point where even Tony Matter on Dutty Wine, I found that out from Channel U, bro. R.I.P. Channel U, man. You were you were really you were about it at the time. Honestly, on we job. moved on, but it's okay. <laughs> now let's get into a little bit of TV and film. Love it. We both had um, the same the same thing on our list, which was Top Boy. Top Boy is a hackney-based crime thriller. That was what's first pitched as, and it was commissioned by Channel 4, written by Ronan Bennett, and it follows DeShane, and he runs a street gang in Summer House in this fictional hackney estate. Later seasons have kind of really gone into a lot of wider social issues, things like immigration, Absolutely. things like domestic violence and abuse. Gentrification. Grooming, yeah, gentrification. Mm-hmm. It's just a very, very beautiful show. Obviously, we've just come to the end of the entire series but when it first dropped the very first series of it that was such an iconic moment do you remember like first watching Top Boy I think I do I remember like on my mom's like fat granddad TV because we hadn't had anything that was like kind of like that since kidulthood when it was revived back with the help of Jake in 2019 for me that is like a point in current black British culture 
that's going to change the mm-hmm. game forever. Because imagine a young Henry is at the O2, which Drake turned into the O3. And then you see like the trailer for the new um, Top Boy that's got Dave in it. I don't care. These are my ends. Mine. Yeah. When I say I was screaming, crying, snot nosed yes. <laughs> at the O2, <laughs> that is like a whole moment. And because you don't really get stuff like that. And when you do, it's absolutely beautiful. And you know what the maddest thing is? Like a lot of people's perception of what it means to be Black British or understanding of Black British culture mm-hmm. comes from Top Boy. Because I remember when I went to Lisbon, I'm always in Lisbon, it's my second home. <laughs> and I remember there was like some French people there and they heard, they heard my accent yeah. and they were like, Where's the food, the shin? Girl, really I'll tell wow. you something. Why was I in Thailand and they're asking me, where's the food? I'm telling you. Stop it. I'm telling you. Where's the fucking food? You kind of mentioned kid adulthood, adulthood. Yeah. They were precursors to Top Boy, weren't they? They definitely were. So kid adulthood came out when I think I was in year six. So I definitely should not have been watching that. But my older cousins are watching <laughs> it. And I was like, wow, this is cinema this is telly and plus they all speak like me. Like there's not even any, like, you know, even in like Top Boy, obviously mm-hmm. with how language has like progressed and stuff, the slang that we used to use like back in 2009 wasn't actually very normal. <laughs> like we weren't normal yeah. people from 2006 to 2009. <laughs> there wasn't actually one English word really that was being used in the right way. <laughs> with kid adulthood, that mm-hmm. was like the real deal because what do you mean by yo famalam? Do you know what I mean? Like, what is that? (laughs) And why were we using it so often? And my size to describe somebody that is good looking. It's so authentic, (laughs) the kidulthood, to us, to especially me being in year six, hearing like how the older kids spoke, especially again Mm -hmm. with the channel you kind of space that just allowed us to be us. It just felt like music, yes. TV, culture, slang, language was just all coinciding with each other. It was everything. All at one time. It was one of the best things ever. And whilst we're on the topic of TV, you want to get into India and Dami, the couple who were on Love Island in 2022. And so for people who don't know about them, they were a black couple on the show. They had a somewhat rocky love story. They both went to Casa Amor and came back with different people, but ultimately ended up back together again. Make your case to the people Absolutely. as to why this is up here in the ranks. Let's go. You shouldn't have given me this platform, Shante. <laughs> Let's go. Women have had it so bad and black people have had it this so bad on, on reality TV until, guess who? Say the names for me, Shante. Dami in India. That's what I thought. <laughs> That's what I thought. Because when they came in, yeah. All right, cool. So mm-hmm. the trope was almost going to relive itself again. India was right. almost going to be Ikenna because the British public said so, pushed them together, yeah. but they Ooh. weren't really like Ooh. giving what they needed to give until unfortunately mm-hmm. Ikenna left. But fortunately for Dami in India, we saw black love for what it's kind of meant to be. It's not always a freaking struggle. Their narrative arc, yeah, is chef's mm-hmm. kiss. You have not seen anything like that on British TV before. <laughs> love you too. What? Love you too. Love me too. I love you too. <laughs> it is definitely a, a moment. Thank you. I don't know if it's my if it's a big one for me, but I when you explain it, like your argument has legs. I want to end by talking about social media and particularly Black Twitter because it is such a huge part of British pop culture. 
Do you remember the app? It was called Kick. Kick. I think I remember Kick. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I remember, I feel like this video, there's a video of a guy. <laughs> he sees his friend <laughs> wearing Levi jeans. Oh yeah. And he says, yo fam, your jeans are bare funny, you know. <laughs> Levi jeans. Levi jeans. <laughs> <laughs> and kick even predates vine it does. so it was like kick and then it was vine you know obviously these video apps have all led to the moment we're having having now with tiktok, TikTok. yeah but there was something specifically about black british culture yeah. and social media coming together in this incredible way you are Do you know I mean? there are so many right. moments that exist absolutely- simply because yeah. of 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 the the online world let's put black british kind of like the YouTube like the the YouTuber, influencer, comedian, kind of that whole mm-hmm. space deserves its mm-hmm. own its own thing because there is no one funnier than us. We had Chunks and Philly. Vinland, Vinland. Oh my days! We had Nella Rose. Get like fulfill all your goals before you want to be cuddled up underneath a big dick. <laughs> all of these things were so intrinsic to our everyday lives to the point where even me like Mm -hmm. even if I was in uni or after uni I remember watching these guys on a bus in my room whilst I was doing my coursework and I think that's the same for a lot of us us as well I remember the early early skits of like Damson Idris and Tom Matucci used to do skits online on YouTube and I look at where they are now absolutely blowing and and like you know these people who just made funny videos like with each other with their parents or and it just like when you look at where they are now, Catapults. it's amazing. Yeah. And they were people that we all spoke about. Absolutely. But also just like the online entertainment anyway, just in, from like back chat all the way through to like the grapevine and all mm. of these shows that we've kind of had online that have been viral and hilarious and brought so many characters to our screens now. Mm. It's like these people are cemented in like Black British pop culture history. When I think about the heights of this culture, I think of Munya Chihuahua and how huge he is now and how he has just like gamed all of these algorithms, how he's just consistently produced amazing, high quality, fast content that's so on the nose, talks about exactly what we're experiencing, Mm -hmm. makes it funny, deals with big issues. I just think he is kind of like... He doesn't owe his success to like those people, but it's like that sort of way of being comfortable online mm-hmm. has definitely aided him in being able to have the platform he has today. Absolutely. So when he came now out with Unknown P, I was like, bro, this is only mm-hmm. a matter of time because this guy just does this for fun. This is just how he has conversations in life. Like it's just who he is. Private school, I speak proper. And you know I've inherited billions. So I've got more pounds and pounds and I've got more millions and millions. And so him being an intrinsic part to I guess black British culture how we especially black people anyway we like satirize everything like everything is like satirical everything is funny everything we make a joke of no matter how bad it gets because what if we're going to do one thing it will be laugh the way that Mm -hmm, he kind of mm -hmm. encapsulates that and puts that into his online content is absolutely beautiful to see do you know what I mean especially having seen him kind of work his way up to that so it's beautiful we've kind of covered a lot of what I found interesting and what you found interesting. And I guess as we wrap up, is there a particular moment we can crown as the number one iconic moment oh in Black gosh. British pop culture? This is too I know, hard. That's a, that's a yeah. tall order. It's really, really hard. I don't know if I can really crown one, although I will say that maybe the origin has to be like that kind of kidulthood kind of channel yes. you time where everybody was kind of starting yes. their creativity, starting to do a little ting, see what sticks. 
And then everything else, I guess, comes off the back of that. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Before you go, I want to tell you about Guardian Jobs. Guardian Jobs connects you with the like-minded people building rewarding careers founded on shared values. There are lots of quality roles in education, charity, green, and government. Search Guardian Jobs to find your next role. This week's episode was produced by Hattie Moya, sound design by Mao Lissetto, original music by Axel Kukutier, and the executive producer is Maz Ebtahaj. See you next Thursday. This is The Guardian. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.